Hey, this is Rick Casals from ExercisesForInjuries.com. Today I have another interview for you and focusing in on you know, the link between um, you know, diet and its effect on pain. So I have an, an, an expert in that area. So, uh, John, I'll get you to introduce yourself to the listeners. Sure. Uh, my name is John Tate. I'm a uh, physician. Um, I do a, a number of different things, but I guess I'll lay out my, my background. My primary training was in physical medicine and rehab. After that, I did a year fellowship in interventional pain and spine. And then a year after that, uh, I did a year of sports medicine. So I kind of put all those things together, and my day-to-day practice today consists of seeing people for um, any number of pain syndromes or painful conditions, uh, as well as sports medicine uh, injuries. So that's what I'm doing kind of in my day job, if you will, and a big portion of what we utilize um, in our treatment plan for folks that see us uh, in the office is, is really looking at the dietary aspects and, you know, of course, the exercise and rehabilitation aspects. Um, but the diet is uh, one big thing that we've been working on with patients for a long time and, and seeing a lot of success with. Okay. Now, wh- when did you start, you know, putting more emphasis and thinking when it came to the diet side of things? Because, you know, the typical medical model, um, you know, doesn't really spend much focus on that. Yeah, I mean, you're exactly right, Rick. Uh, training in medical school, <laughs> uh, traditional medical schools in, in the U.S., and uh, I have to imagine it's the same overseas, other countries. Uh, you know, the emphasis really is on, you know, the, the pathology, making the diagnoses, ordering the tests, you know, confirming them, um, you know, with various tests. And then, you know, the treatment uh, plan is, is usually spelled out in, in the sense of, what medications can really help this problem or this symptom? And, um, you know, it's, it's kind of a system that's evolved with all the great technological advances we have in medicine uh, that are definitely a luxury uh, that we can utilize for patients. But um, I guess where I started seeing the gap uh, is despite the use of all those things, people were still coming in a, in a tremendous amount of pain, you know, despite pain medications, despite injections, uh, even some of them despite multiple surgeries to try to, quote, fix the problem. Uh, so, you know, we started looking at this a little bit deeper myself, <clears throat> probably started a couple years ago, but really reading on nutritional science and how it relates to uh, pain and inflammation. So I would say over the past uh, couple of years, I've I've spent a lot more time really studying this aspect for people that have pain. Okay. Okay. And then... Like how does um, you know how does the excuse me how does the food and nutrition side of things like link into you know, maybe like in your assessment process or is it or do you just leave that when you you know after you get to your diagnosis after you do your diagnosis? Yeah, I kind of um, started with uh, you know the traditional model. It's okay. Let's examine the patient, figure out what kind of problem or regional you know pain complaint or musculoskeletal injury they might have, and then kind of make sure the appropriate workup's been done to confirm the diagnosis. And, you know, I think where I've moved to now is using it on the front end as part of my assessment tool. So part of my intake paperwork for patients um, will involve a lot of questions about, you know, their overall health. Uh, You know, I think if people have pain, 
um, and, and they're overall not healthy, it's very tough to get them out of pain. So your body's in this kind of painful, inflamed state for various reasons, and a part of that could be the diet. So we do start asking a bunch of questions on the intake about, you know, kind of walk us through a couple days of what you eat and walk us through a couple days of your typical exercise. And usually when I ask, you know, tell me about your exercise program, I get kind of a blank stare. So, And then they, they you know, they don't want the doctor to be upset, so then they make something up and say, okay, I exercise and I walk and I do this. And, and I know, you know, a number of people don't, and it just isn't a part of their normal routine. Um, same goes for diet. They know, um, you know, if they say, hey, I drink, you know, 80 ounces of soda a day and, you know, smoke cigarettes and do a lot of other things I know are harmful. They're kind of things they're not going to want to tell me. So we just put it in paperwork. I think we get more honest answers that way and, and people kind of lay out what they do and don't do. And it gives us a quick insight into, you know, maybe what they consume a lot of and what things could be, you know, promoting inflammation or contributing to the pain that they're presenting with. So I think it's really moved to the forefront as a diagnostic tool for me as well. And you start to recognize some patterns pretty quickly, you know, with what they circle on the form, what type of foods they eat a lot of. And those are the type of things we start to, to move towards right away to back them out of their diet and, and start seeing if that has an impact on their pain. Okay. And, and then, you know, looking at the assessment form, I mean, what would be a couple things that really, you know, general things that really you know, stand out as things that would negatively affect recovery or, you know, promote pain? Is there any particular, I mean, behaviors or, or foods that... Um, sure. Yeah, so both. Um, you know, our, our intake paperwork is uh, very heavy on, you know, just the person's lifestyle in general. Um, so the food questions are going to ask some specifics about food, the ones that we know uh, can be you know, in, inflammatory promoting type foods. I think a lot of people, even if they're not, uh, you know, quote, healthy or health conscious people know if I'm eating a lot of refined foods, if I'm eating a lot of stuff out of bags and boxes all the time, I'm drinking a lot of sodas or sugar-laden kind of snacks, people inherently know that stuff isn't good for them. Um, and we still want to identify how much they're eating uh, of those types of foods. But then when we move on to what is known to be, quote, healthier foods, um, you know, there's a lot of controversy on this topic, as you probably already know. Um, when we start looking at, you know, how much wheat or soy or corn uh, is brought into their diet on a daily basis. And, you know, there's been great books written on this, like Wheat Belly as far as gluten and, you know, Dr. Osborne, Gluten-Free Warrior, those types of people have done a great job explaining the science behind why gluten can be an inflammatory type food. And when you look at how much wheat is in our diet, um, it's, it's in most of the refined foods that are out there uh, in combination with, again, soy and corn. So if you look at that, you know, we probably have a diet that's maybe 70% um, those types of foods in one shape or another. Uh, and probably what, you know, our ancestors, not remotely, but even 70 years ago, eight, there's probably about five, maybe 10% of those foods. So when you flip that scale, and we're now consuming 70%, or the average person might be, um, it's really a disproportionate amount in the diet. Um, and that's one thing that we look at right away. 
Um, and, then, and then you go down the list and you talk about other things like, you know, relative intolerance or sensitivities to dairy um, and, and other food groups. And we just kind of work down through the, um, you know, what are consumed, you know, on a daily basis and really what foods people may think are, are really, hey, I'm doing everything right. I'm eating healthy. I'm eating whole grains. I'm eating so many servings of dairy because that's what I was told to do. You know, I'm eating, you know, these things every day, yet, you know, they're struggling. You know, they're still having, you know, pain that's not remedied by their medications or their, their rehab program, and they're just dissatisfied. So um, that's that's really where this whole idea was born out of, and, and we started digging into it a little bit deeper to see, you know, if we change some of the things, can they have a positive impact on how they feel? Okay. And then your approach, is it, I mean, you're looking at lifestyle changes, you're looking at dietary changes, and yep. then do you make any suggestions or recommendations when it comes to supplementation? Yeah, so, you know, the other thing I didn't mention there to answer the last question a little bit more detail, the behavior aspects are, are huge. You know, as you know, if, if we can get people into some type of regular um, exercise routine, really address do they have a significant injury that requires focus rehabilitation and Obviously, this is in your wheelhouse. This is what you do every day. But that's the starting point for people to get them, you know, out of the pain they're in, transition them into, you know, some type of program of regular exercise. Um, and then, you know, the other behavioral things are just, you know, what what is the sleep quality? If we're not getting good sleep, we can't recover. You know, what are the stress levels that individual has? And, you know, what are the overall just kind of context of the relationships and support system they have around them to, to help them deal with pain because when people are in pain a long time, you know, it, it's, uh, it, it wears on, on individuals. So those aspects are very, other, you know, key components that we also clue in on in our assessment and try to give them the right information to, to address those things. Um, but to answer the, the next question, is in regards to supplementation, man, it's, it's kind of a loaded question. Um, you know, there's a lot of people... Um, that really feel, you know, the supplements are the answer, you know, whether it's things, you know, for energy, I take this energy drink or it's, uh, you know, these multivitamins and this and that. And I don't think I'm opposed to supplementation, but I think, uh, you know, just like anything, you've you got to build the foundation first. You have to have a good, sound, foundational diet of things that are very healthy, you know, known to be anti-inflammatory as we get into in our book, and really that's the starting point. And let's see, if we just get somebody on that program, they don't have to do it 100% perfect because we can't expect really anybody to do that. But if they do it 80% of the time, you know, in as short as a couple of weeks or certainly over the course of a month doing that, what, what we call it is kind of a, you know, a reset period or a detox period almost, if you will, to get people on just, you know, a real healthy diet. And then we can see, you know, what have we gained with that and then start fine-tuning it with supplements. So absolutely, you know, I do recommend some supplements, but uh, the, the diet piece has to start first and really be the kind of the foundational piece. Okay. Okay. And then how does, and then how does the physical component fit in with this when it comes to, you know, re recovery? Yeah, uh, so the you said the physical component? Yeah, the physical component. I mean, you know, my slant would, of course, be the exercise component. But, uh, I mean, we've kind of talked about um, how, you know, lifestyle affects things, how lifestyle habits affect things. 
you know, diet affects things, you know, how supplementation can be, you know, yeah. maybe fill in the gaps where, you know, nutrition are missed in that individual. And the kind of the piece that we're missing is kind of the, the physical activity or exercise component. Yeah, I mean, I think they're hand in hand. Um, you know, if you look at people that are performing at a high level, you know, their physical training aspect or rehabilitation or what they're doing is, you know, just as important as, you know, what they're fueling their body with during that recovery time. So, you know, if we're not getting those necessary nutrients and building blocks into the body, uh, it's going to handicap your recovery in a sense if, if you continue to eat you know, poor quality fuel. You know, if you're throwing poor quality fuel in the system all the time, it's like, you know, running a, a high-performance machine of any type on same thing, poor quality fuel. It's going to run. Um, it's going to function, but probably not at the level you want it to perform. So um, the the dietary aspect, I think, in, in some regards, uh, for, for some people is even more critical, you know, than the physical aspect. Of training, but I think they're absolutely complementary. You know, if you look at people that are maybe fitness competitors or bodybuilders or folks like that, a lot of them will tell you that, you know, the training is absolutely critical, right? Having a sound system to how they're going to train through a progression over a period of time for a, an event or a competition. But if their diet is on, isn't on point with that, you know, they're just not going to be at their, their best. So they, they kind of flip the equation um, and say, you know, what they're eating and how they're maintaining, you know, their sleep schedule and everything else, all those behavioral uh, lifestyle aspects are probably 80% of the equation. And, and their training, when you look at the sheer amount of hours that you're, you know, physically training versus all the other hours you're recovering and you're trying to get better sleep and you're eating and, all those other things, it's about 80-20 uh, with the training component maybe being 20% of the equation. Um, so I, I think it's a huge um, component for most people. And if they're missing on that, they're really, you know, kind of robbing themselves of either a quicker recovery or higher performance. Excellent. Excellent. Now, is it, so we're kind of reaching the end of the call. Is any last-minute things that you'd like to leave with the listeners? Well, you know, I think, that, you know, when you really delve into this topic and you, and you start reading on it, it's, it's a very individualized thing. Just like, you know, you can't pull a training program out of, you know, whatever magazine you like reading, you know, men's health or men's fitness or muscle and fitness or whatever it may be or, or any of the programs um, that are put out there, I think it's it's very individualized, and what we want to do is is give people a system to figure out how can they tailor the exact diet, a dietary prescription, if we want to call it that, that is really going to help them recover faster um, and perform at a at a hopefully higher level as a result of taking out some of these triggers that could be promoting this inflammation and. You know, what What we kind of call it, and I, I borrowed this from um, somebody else, but they, they call it a dietary injury, right? So if we're continuing to eat certain foods on a daily basis, knowingly or a lot of people unknowingly, they think they're eating healthy, but, man, <laughs> would you think eggplant or tomatoes or peppers or potatoes could be causing your, 
you know, joint inflammation? And most people would say, absolutely not. That's healthy stuff. But, you know, one in three people are affected by those very foods, you know, in that food group, you know, called nightshade vegetables. So, you know, what we're trying to give people is a, a very, you know, stepwise, systematic kind of diagnostic tool that they can run themselves through this test of figuring out, you know, what, what foods may be really bothering me. Um, and, and we try to do it in a very simple manner so it doesn't take, you know, months to figure out. Um, and that's, that's really the key to the program. You know, I think that's the key thing that, that most people, you know, want is, you know, what is specific for me? And, and we try to deliver that with the program, how we laid it out, because a lot of things, if you just apply a diet across the board or a training program across the board, you know, you'll probably get pretty good results if you follow it. Um, but, you know, the, the advantage of seeing somebody, you know, face-to-face and having that one-on-one specialization or individualization of the program you know, is going to get people even further. And that's why we uh, we spent a lot of time trying to figure out how do we build that into this system so somebody can, you know, go through all these things, understand the science of, of how what they're eating could be, you know, inflaming their, you know, their, their GI tract or their gut, and that could be promoting inflammation or pain in the body, whether it's muscular pain or poor recovery time or joint pain. Um, and you know, at the end of running through the program, that's what they'll have. They'll kind of have that that roadmap or that diagnostic test result to say, okay, here are the foods that I do well with. I can keep these in my diet. Here are the foods that, you know, I, I know because of running through the program, I feel stiffer. I have more joint pain after these. These are the things that I just need to limit, you know, and maybe it's not eliminate, because we don't want to say, okay, forever you can never eat these again, but you just know what the potential ramifications are if you eat them. Uh, that it, you, you know, you may need a more recovery time. You may be a little stiffer as a result. Um, we just want people to be able to figure that out and, and get the information. Okay, and you put something together with um, Nick Pinot, and you have you guys have a a pain-free diet program. So maybe you can kind of talk a little bit about that and who it's for and, and how it will help them. Sure. Yeah, so what Nick and I put together is a program uh, called the 14-Day Pain-Free Diet. Um, and what this is going to allow people to do, now first of all, you know, who is it for? It's, it's really for anybody that um, has had some type of pain, you know, whether it's uh, just, you know, a stubborn knee or shoulder or, you know, hip pain that doesn't go to you know, go away, or it, you know, tends to get more inflamed now with the activities they like doing. It's it's really limiting their ability to run or bike or hike or you know train in the gym. It's it's kind of across the board. We didn't want to make it well gym specific um, because some people their training doesn't really you know fall in the gym. It's it's outside. They're hiking. They're doing other things. So it's a really a broad audience. It's it's anybody that has you know, pain. Um, we wanted, uh, we tailored this specific product or book towards people that have more joint pain. Um, but the same principles uh, in the book would apply to somebody that just has, you know, a lot of, you know, muscular um, soreness and, and pain and, and fatigue after training. Um, we didn't really want to go into the arena of, 
know, people that have irritable bowel syndrome or different types of pain syndromes like that, headaches and things. Uh, but I think what I've seen in my, my personal practice is that if they apply the same type of program, this same type of diet that we're talking about does oftentimes help some of those individuals. But again, that wasn't our, our specific aim uh, with, with the product. Awesome. And, uh, you know, for, for those people that are interested in the in interview notes, I'll have a link to, to uh, John and uh, Nick's pain-free diet, which I've looked over and is, is awesome. So thank well, you very much for your time, John. Yeah, thank you, Rick. And thank you very much, exercisesforinjuries.com listeners. Thank you for, you know, listening to this interview. Hopefully you got a lot of insight when it comes to, you know, really thinking about that nutrition side when it comes to pain recovery, injury recovery. So this is Rick Cassell from exercisesforinjuries.com saying take care and bye-bye.